anything in your right power to put something, even if it's not an air tag, in your luggage. Lost in space. The case of one Ontario husband and wife, their missing baggage, and the bizarre journey they were forced to travel to get it back. Good evening. We'll get to that story in just a few minutes, but we begin with an update to something that has horrified people across the GTA since it happened. The deadly assault of an elderly woman in Toronto's core during broad daylight. Tonight, we have new information to share with you. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us live from King and Young with the details. Beth. Michelle and Nathan, that new information tonight is video of the assault. I'm standing right where it happened, just north of King on Young Street. And I can tell you that this video shows the push happened very quickly. The push happens in an instant. CTV News is not showing the 89-year-old woman's fall to the ground, but security video from inside this restaurant appears to show the assault had force, with the suspect running leading up to and after the push. This woman says in 10 years of panhandling on the corner, she has never seen a daytime attack like this. I think it's a cowardly act. I think it's, 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 uh, it's outrageous that this is happening in broad daylight on a busy downtown street. Toronto police call the attack unprovoked and say the woman was simply walking on the sidewalk. Minutes later, the video captures first responders arriving. Officers say she had serious face and head injuries, but the cause of death hasn't been confirmed. About an hour later, a 37-year-old man, Ryan Kaneen of Toronto, was arrested nearby. He's been charged with aggravated assault. Police say he threw a brick through a window near church and front before the assault. Despite the arrest, there is a sense of fear in this downtown pocket. People are trying to be more aware of their surroundings. The attack here is one of multiple violent and random attacks in the downtown core or on public transit over the past year. It's scary um, and I'd rather work from home than come into office and, and be, be hurt. I think if we pay attention to our surroundings more, we can help each other more, look out for each other. This woman says she has been pushed and punched walking downtown and really feels for the victim. You, you don't have that trust anymore and then you... You have to be very careful, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm afraid always. I'm always afraid then uh, something might happen. She says to help make the city safe, more mental health supports are needed. Court documents show Kanin interacted with the justice system previously in February 2020, facing one count of assault. None of the allegations have been proven in court. Kaneen is expected back in court tomorrow morning. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Beth. And there's breaking news from Scarborough tonight, where police say a large group of youths has attacked two TTC employees on a bus. Officers say the assault was unprovoked and carried out by 10 to 15 young people shortly after 3 p.m. No arrests have been made. Follow ctvnewstoronto.ca or watch CTV News Toronto at 11.30 with Zoraida Allman for all the latest information. Turning now to a developing situation in the GTA's west. Police in Brampton are piecing together the events that caused a car to jump a curb and into a woman and a young boy. CTV's Natalie Johnson's at the scene and joins us now with more. Natalie, what can you tell us? 
Hi, Nathan. Officers are continuing to investigate at this hour what they are calling a freak accident. It happened around 1.40 this afternoon at this Brampton intersection, Ray Lawson and Malta. And police say that it appears that two vehicles collided and the vehicle that was struck was forced up onto the curb where it struck an adult female and a young boy. The female was taken to a trauma center with very critical injuries. Uh, the young boy was taken to a children's trauma center with non-life-threatening but serious injuries. Here is more from Peel Police on the circumstances of this scene. The female pedestrian and the child were standing, uh, possibly waiting to cross the road. Um, it did happen just on the corner behind me uh, where they were struck and then the vehicle was forced into a tree. So these are very unfortunate circumstances that I don't believe uh, the pedestrians could have necessarily done anything to avoid this happening. It's very scary. Both of the drivers who were involved in this did remain at the scene. Their injuries were minor. Police say they do expect to reopen this intersection shortly. Reporting live in Brampton, I'm Natalie Johnson. Michelle, over to you. Thank you, Natalie. A case of public interest versus privacy rights involving some high-profile killers was heard today at the Federal Court of Appeals downtown. The appeal was filed by the Toronto Police Association on behalf of the families of two slain Toronto police officers, Constables Michael Sweet and Todd Bayliss, as well as the families of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. They are seeking the corrections and parole files of the men accused of killing their loved ones, including access to psychiatric evaluations, transcripts, and audio interviews. The remedy that they're seeking to get out of jail and be reintegrated with the community, that is a public remedy and therefore the public should have access to the documents that they rely upon. Uh, so far the courts ruled that uh, the privacy interests of these murderers is more important and outweighs uh, the public interest in transparency and accountability in our justice system. The families want access to these documents so they can be better informed when appearing at parole hearings to challenge parole applications by the offenders. Some high-profile crimes also on the minds of Toronto police tonight, all part of a string of recent violence in the city. And authorities say the people responsible are as dangerous as they get. Our John Musselman is at the scene of one of those recent crimes to explain. John. Well, Michelle, it happened in a condo uh, behind me here in Liberty Village, and police said they have identified at least one suspect involved in that case. In this security video, the suspects are wearing ski masks. The victim was ambushed in the underground parking lot of a condo near Liberty and Dufferin Street. He was forced into his unit. He and his second tenant were handcuffed while the suspects ransacked the unit. A third tenant showed up and confronted the suspects. He was shot three times. He survived, police say, but his injuries are life-altering. Police have now identified one suspect, 28-year-old Boaz Fringpong, is wanted for robbery and attempted murder. Investigators are also looking for the public's help in connection with this violent robbery near Kennedy Road and McNichol Avenue back in July. Three suspects entered a business and ordered everyone on the ground. One of the suspects pointed a gun at an employee. They took off with an undisclosed amount of cash. Police have identified one suspect, 22-year-old Ibrahim Mohammed of Durham Region, is wanted for robbery with a firearm. Uh, we at the whole of squad and the Toronto Police Service understand these types of crimes can have a lasting impact on victims, whether they are physically injured or not. This is why we continue to investigate and are seeking the public's help in finding these individuals who are clearly violent and pose a threat to public safety.
Police say they've made a number of arrests in connection with a series of carjackings. On Friday, September 30th, two suspects in a dark-colored BMW followed a victim driving a 2017 F-12 Ferrari valued at $1 million. The suspects approached the victim at knife point and demanded the keys. And in November, a person driving a 2018 Ferrari 488 Spider was carjacked near St. Clair Avenue West and Avenue Road. The suspect again produced the knife. Police say three of the four suspects have now been arrested and both Ferraris have been recovered. Police are looking for 23-year-old Ryan Tyson. He's facing a list of charges, including attempted murder. That's in connection with an incident back in October near Ellesmere and Kennedy Road. An officer with the Guns and Gangs Task Force was hurt when a suspect fled the parking lot in a vehicle striking the officer. And if you have any information about any of these suspects, you're asked to call Toronto Police or Crime Stoppers. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, John. Air Canada has reportedly made a series of recent donations to charity, but one batch of apparent goods will not be sitting well with a few passengers. They're part of a group who say the airline had lost their bags. Well, tonight, some of that luggage has been found, and you won't believe where. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us live. And Allison, tell us where you are right now. So I'm in Etobicoke, just outside the storage facility where this couple's airbag from their luggage says it has been sitting for months, ever since it was loaded on a van and brought here. Nikita Reese has been tracking her husband's luggage ever since returning from their honeymoon in September. I'm updating you on my luggage being lost. Posting updates on social media after being frustrated, the AirTag showed it was sitting in an Etobicoke storage unit for months. I'm slightly relieved that our luggage is still there, but I'm even more frustrated because they've kind of turned this into a bit of a, like they've run us full circle. Reese says she and her husband came to this facility and got a peek inside. The luggage was right up to the door. He says, I could see someone's luggage tag. I couldn't read it, but I could see a full-on luggage tag on that piece of luggage. They reported it to Toronto police only to find out the bag had been donated. Police said they opened about 100 bags, maybe 200, and they said multiple of them had air tags that were beeping. A TPS spokesperson told CTV News it investigated the theft made by four people in regards to lost luggage being located by air tags at a storage facility in Etobicoke. Through investigation, it was determined that a charity organization that is contracted by the airline carrier had lawfully obtained the luggage from the airline after the luggage was not claimed. What gives Air Canada the right to donate that luggage? And I uh, would say they don't have it. Uh, they don't have it contractually, and certainly they don't have it uh, under the criminal law. In fact, it could be a criminal offence. Air Canada told CTV News the actions were consistent with International Air Transport Association policy and other carriers, that customers whose bags cannot be located are eligible for compensation after 21 days, and bags whose ownership cannot be determined can be disposed of after 90 days, something we do through a third-party company which does make donations to charity. But the president of Air Pass Passenger Wright says that doesn't override a passenger's ownership of the bag. If you abandon your baggage when it arrives on a belt, there is something to be said about what will happen with it. But it is still your property especially if you report it as missing when you leave the airport. Reese reported it missing and was compensated by Air Canada. My bag! And it was returned this afternoon. But Reese says she won't fly with Air Canada again. How can we trust them when they're in my opinion, unwrongfully donating luggage that they clearly could figure out whose it is. Like, to me, there's no trust there anymore. I will 
The Minister of Transportation was asked about this case earlier today, and he says the government is in talks working on the passenger bill of rights to strengthen rules around luggage. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thanks, Allison. Another area for commuters to avoid a water main break at a busy downtown intersection causing more traffic chaos. Why the repair will take two weeks. That's coming up. I'm sure many of you were excited for a sun sighting today. We hope you soaked it in too because the next few weather days could get pretty wild. Lindsay Morrison is here to explain. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, it is going to be a little bit wild as we make our way through the middle part of this week. First, there's the snow that we got yesterday. There's a cold front that could bring a little burst of snow through the overnight hours tonight, but the main event comes Wednesday into Thursday. Right now, our temperature is one degree in the city of Toronto. Overnight, we're forecasting a low of minus two and a wind chill of minus nine. Here's what we're bracing for. There's a special weather statement in effect from Windsor right through the province of of Quebec warning of measurable snow. It's a high impact storm that's going to begin Wednesday, continue through Thursday. Some areas could easily pick up 15 centimeters of snow. We'll take you through this forecast coming up. But for now, Nathan, I'll send it back over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. In California, an 11th person has died following Saturday's mass shooting at a dance hall. Investigators are still searching for a motive. I and ATF are providing all support possible to our state and local partners, and they will continue to do so. Ten others were wounded in the attack. The suspect later shot himself after a thwarted attempt at another dance hall. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters reports. Even before dawn today, flowers were placed, candles lit. And the horror of what happened in the Star Dance Studio in Monterey Park still coming into focus. After the, uh, the shooting finished, he left. And then I called my partner. Wake up, wake up, he don't wake up. Additional units requested multiple victims, gunshot wounds. Those wounded in the rampage were rushed to hospital, where one more person died today, bringing the number killed to 11. One of the victims has been identified by friends as Ming-Wei Ma, an instructor. After the shooting here, the gunman went to the Lilai Ballroom and Studio in nearby Alhambra. I needed to take this weapon, disarm him, or else everybody would have died. 26-year-old Brandon Say did not know there had already been a mass shooting. He just knew he had to prevent one. A security camera captured the life-and-death struggle. I was able to pull the gun away from him, shove him aside, create some distance, point the gun at him, intimidate him, shot him and say... Get the hell out of here. I'll shoot. Get away. Go. The suspect, identified as 72-year-old Hukan Tran, fled in a white van. And when police pulled over a vehicle matching the description, they heard a single gunshot from inside. The coroner removed the suspect's body, while overnight police searched his home. We're looking at all criminal history, mental health history, and, and see if it impacted uh, what occurred here, the motive. It's already clear that what occurred here has left this predominantly Asian-American community reeling. It's just confirming that there's no safe place anymore. I'm very sad for the victims. Uh, it's crazy. As the sense of shock lingers, so do the questions. Police are continuing their investigation, but say it could take months to complete. Tom Walters, CTV News, Monterey Park, California.
Overseas, the lights are starting to come back on in Pakistan after power was knocked out to much of the country today. Millions of people were left without electricity when a power surge caused a breakdown in the grid. It began around 7 a.m. local time on a day when temperatures were forecast to dip to 4 degrees Celsius in the capital, Islamabad. An investigation has been launched. In Spain, more than $54 million worth of contraband tobacco products have been seized. Police raided factories in three towns and confiscated over three and a half million packets of tobacco. They also seized 10,000 kilograms of tobacco leaf. The factories were equipped with state-of-the-art machinery, producing 540,000 packs a day. 27 people were arrested. Turning to a CTV News investigation, as a wave of car theft sweeps over Ontario, one man stands out as an exception. Thieves have tried and failed to take his car multiple times. As CTV's John Woodward reports, he wants more than just his car to be impossible to steal. When someone like this appears in front of your house, for most drivers, that's a sign you'll never see your car again. But thieves have tried to steal this 2018 Grand Cherokee at least nine times and still haven't gotten it. I will say it's unstealable. It's uh, pretty close. CTV isn't identifying the car owner because he doesn't want the people targeting his truck to start targeting him. But he says he got serious when he saw video of thieves who've made most car security systems obsolete, cloned keys of cars, and driven off within minutes, something that has happened on average 54 times a day in Toronto and Peel region in 2023. Anything you do is better than nothing. Right. If you don't do anything, you're going to be the next victim. He uses wheel locks and a lock on his steering wheel and several systems inside the truck he doesn't want to advertise. Some slow the thieves down to the point one of them gets bored and sits on the stairs to wait. Another system silently notifies him that something's amiss, so he called the police, who roll up and start to give chase. One of the two thieves was arrested that night and faces charges. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty... Uh... Pretty exciting moment. Mechanic Ron Yosef of Car Systems Installation is tired of seeing the same look on his customers' faces. A lot of customers, either the car already got stolen and this is their second vehicle. Some customers, this is even a third. He got serious too, offering something called the IGLA, which turns a car steering wheel into something like a computer keyboard. This one has been specially outfitted so that when I start it, I need to press these keys in a particular sequence before I can start the car. This driver hopes people can pick that up so there are fewer videos where thieves take off with your car and more where police take off after the thieves. John Woodward, CTV News. And we learned about parts of this story because of tips from you, our viewers. If you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Helping your child beat the stress of exams. We take a mental health program, a look at it, that gives students the tools they need to cope. That's coming up. Ontario and the other provinces will be watching closely as the federal cabinet begins a three-day retreat in Hamilton. I know Canadians need uh, us to come together to solve uh, health care uh, for the medium and long term, and that's exactly what we're working on with, uh, with, Canadian, with, uh, with premiers right now. We're going to continue to work collaboratively on the things that Canadians expect us to do. Affordability and a possible recession will be top of mind for the Prime Minister's Cabinet. But a request from the provinces for a big increase in health care funding will also be discussed. The Liberals have repeatedly said they want to see proof. First, the money will go toward meaningful improvements. Parliament returns next week. 
Meanwhile, the military officer who led the federal government's COVID-19 vaccine rollout will return to duty. The Defense Department says Major General Danny Fortin will be assigned duties best aligned with his rank and experience. A judge ruled last month it was not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Fortin sexually assaulted a fellow military college student in 1988. A military review has also cleared him. Fortin was removed as head of the vaccine program in 2012 after the allegation was made. More backlash tonight against the Ford government in its handling of the housing file. Dozens of people took to the downtown streets today in protest of the province's plan to develop protected lands. Our Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with those details. Siobhan. Well, that protest, Michelle, was outside a conference of rural municipal leaders. They were meeting with cabinet ministers. We know that Queen's Park's relationship with municipalities has been strained by some of their moves to get more housing built. Today's protest is a sign that that frustration extends beyond city and town halls. Save the green belt. From those who've been around a while. He said he was not going to touch it, and now he's definitely touching it. To those new to activism. I want to help uh, let people know that it's not just their future, it's ours. Dozens of protesters made noise outside a conference of rural municipalities. This group is angry with the move to allow development on 15 plots of land pulled from the Greenbelt. Inside, the government stressed the need to build more homes as more people choose Ontario to build a life. Ontario is in a housing supply crisis and Ontarians expect us to act. You just can't keep saying, not in my backyard. My neighbor doesn't want it. We don't want it. Where are we going to put these people? Outside, protesters reject that approach. The biggest housing crisis concerns people who would not be able to afford to buy the Mick mansions that are going to be built in the Green Belt. The Green Party leader says the decision is all wrong. To pave over the farmland that feeds us, the wetlands and the green space that clean our drinking water and protect us from flooding so a handful of land speculators can cash in and the rest of us are going to pay the price. While the government has dug in on the green belt change, the opposition sees opportunity to change minds. We saw this fall uh, that when we all come together, we can get the government to reverse course, right? They backed off of their attack on education workers, so we can make that happen here too. There's hope, too, among the demonstrators. I mean, it's happening all over Ontario. It's a, a broad-based, multi-party uh, objection to these kinds of decisions. Ontario's Integrity Commissioner is looking at whether developers may have been tipped off about the Greenbelt change before it was made public. The Auditor General is examining the financial and environmental effects, and the OPP is still determining whether its anti-rackets branch should launch a full investigation. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. An Ontario Medical Association study has found no evidence that patients substituted hospital emergency rooms for virtual visits with their family doctor in the first year of the pandemic. Researchers say it's a significant finding given recent calls to reduce virtual service over quality of care concerns. The peer-reviewed study was published today in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. As high school students get ready for exams this week, there's an effort to ease the mental strain associated with test-taking. CTV Sean Lethon reports on a program designed to help students succeed amid the stress. Improving mental health can be as simple as coloring or blowing bubbles or even just a conversation. 
anything that'll help alleviate any kind of stress and let everyone know that as students, we're here to support other students. For Bell Let's Talk, students in St. Michael Catholic Secondary School in Bolton are focusing on wellness through small mental breaks at a very stressful time, exam time. Right now, I would say it's a lot just coming out of COVID. Since I'm a grade 12 student, the last time I did exams were actually in grade 9. Many of the students here have never written formal exams and support staff are seeing the pressure. We have a lot of students come down to support services. I'm really anxious. Um, we see a lot of different states, tears, hyperventilation, things like that. These students, called mental health champions, have been working to create safe spaces, part of an overall mental wellness strategy at St. Michael. Yeah, they value academic success, but they, they need to value their mental health. And we as professionals need to support that. While the mental health champions are offering help along with motivation, here the mental health support is more than just one week. It is a constant circle from staff to students each checking in. And just learning to be yourself and love who you are. Students like Olivia Giancos, who was anxious about returning to school post-pandemic, now she's offering support to those who face the same feelings. It's amazing to be able to take my experiences and help other kids and be able to see them grow and use what I what I have learned and give it to somebody else that needs it. Small things like learning to take time and breathe or just being there to listen when someone needs an ear. It feels better. It makes you feel like someone actually listening to you. Because a lot of times we tend to keep things to ourselves. And while the stress and activities come and go, the conversation keeps going. Sean Lee Thong, CTV News. And coming up, cannabis and mental well-being. New insights into its use since legalization. What the latest data shows about its impact on Canadians. Tonight, Pat Foran coming up on Consumer Alert. There is growing concern over break-ins at Canada Post mailboxes. Toronto police charged three men with stealing mail and packages. And a Mississauga woman says her mailbox is broken into almost every day. I love that story. Just a hit. So we've got some snow in the forecast and some would say it's about time. We've picked up just shy of 11 centimeters so far in the month of January. Usually we see closer to about 30 centimeters in the month. So this is a Texas low and with this snow, yeah, we're likely to see some travel hazards. We'll take you through the weather forecast on the other side of this break and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. A warning tonight that thieves are targeting community mailboxes looking to steal packages, checks and financial documents. Toronto police have charged three men with allegedly breaking into mailboxes to try to get information to steal identities. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, thieves are looking for anything valuable they can find when they break into a mailbox. A Mississauga woman says her mailbox is broken into almost every day and she says she's had to redirect her mail to keep it from being stolen. Equifax called saying people are trying to take out credit cards in our names. Corinne Clifton of Mississauga says whenever she goes to get her mail, she's concerned her mailbox will be pried open and her packages and letters stolen. She says it's been a problem over the past three months and happens on almost a daily basis. They typically are looking for checks and packages, but they also took all my financial information, my credit card information, my banking information and my investment information. Clifton says she's worried her identity will be stolen. She's had to change her bank accounts and pay to have her mail redirected to somewhere safer. 
I have had to have my mail forwarded to a friend's house for the cost of $100. Canada Post said in a statement, we can confirm this community mailbox site has been vandalized and local law enforcement is currently investigating. Toronto Police issued a news release last week saying three men have been charged with breaking into mailboxes in the greater Toronto area and southern Ontario. It's alleged the three men were found with a large quantity of stolen mail, government and financial documents and tools used to break into mailboxes. Toronto's Financial Crimes Unit says mail theft is up, which has direct links to stealing identities. If you are a victim of an identity theft or fraud, if the items are taken from your mailbox, make sure you report that to the issuer and make sure you report that to police. Clifton is frustrated that despite her and her neighbours complaining to Canada Post, the problem continues. When we talk, contact Canada Post, it's basically crickets. Um, they pass the buck. They say, we'll pass on the information. Canada Post also told CTV News, we can confirm Canada Post will be upgrading this community mailbox to a newer model in the spring of 2023. The newer mailbox may be more secure, but until then, Clifton and her neighbours fear their current mailbox remains a target for thieves. And if your mailbox is broken into or you have concerns your mail has been stolen, you should contact the police and then reach out to Canada Post Customer Service to report it. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. In Antarctica, a massive iceberg has split from the ice shelf and is now floating away. It's more than 1,500 square kilometers. This is the second major breakoff from the area in the last two years. But experts say it's not related to global warming and isn't likely to dramatically affect the sea level. The iceberg will be given a name by the U.S. National Ice Center tomorrow. And we woke up to a little bit of ice on our windshields and on the steps from a dose of snow yesterday. But it's really what's to come this week. That's the big weather story. Yeah, it was nice to see a little bit of snow. Uh, it was a nice change, but a lot more is on the way. Yeah, and it was nice to see a little bit of sun this morning, yes. too. So the snow actually looked pretty. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of snow in this week's forecast once again. But there is a good helping of snow in the forecast. And unlike the last couple of storms where we've had a messy mix of rain, freezing rain and ice pellets, this one looks as though the main type of precipitation or maybe the only type of precipitation will in fact be snow. So let's break it all down for you. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. You know that we have a good uh, handle on this storm as far as a confidence level is concerned when Environment Canada issues a special weather statement several days out. This one was issued on Sunday, warning of a storm Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you can see it covers a widespread area of southern Ontario. We'll get to the nitty-gritty of this in just a moment. I do want to focus on this area for just a moment. Barry, Aurelia and Midland, you are under a separate special weather statement. This is a winter weather travel advisory because of this cold front. We're expecting a couple of centimeters of snow through the overnight hours tonight and into the day tomorrow, maybe uh, adding to about 10 centimeters by the time all is said and done. We here in Toronto, maybe a couple of bursts of flurries, a trace to two centimeters of snow by morning, but there's that that uh, little extension of lake effect snow that could be uh, with that part of the province right through the day tomorrow. Again, a few flurries possible for us here locally, but the big story is Wednesday and into Thursday. So we'll get a few, uh, some light snow as we wake up on Wednesday morning. 
The bulk of this system, though, really gets going Wednesday afternoon and then overnight into Thursday morning. Uh, you'll notice again, it looks like mainly snow at this point. And as far as the forecast models are concerned, we're anticipating anywhere from 5 to 20 centimeters of snow in the hardest hit areas. I'm thinking a general 10 centimeters for the GTA, but at this point it looks as though easily some areas could pick up more than that. Tonight's forecast low is minus 2 degrees, the wind chill minus 9. Here's tomorrow at a glance, mainly cloudy skies and a chance of flurries. Afternoon high about 2 degrees. We do have some colder air that's going to settle in for the end of this week, and that colder air is influencing this incoming Texas low, and as a result, we're seeing a little more in the way of snow in the forecast. Here's the rest of your seven day overnight low Thursday into Friday minus 10. So a sign of some cooler things to come and then flurries follow us into the weekend with perhaps another round of measurable snow on Sunday. That's your look at the weather. Michelle, over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, if the bad weather does not force you to a grinding halt on the roads this week, the construction will. There's another major project underway downtown right now, bringing traffic to a standstill. And as CTV's Janice Golding explains, this one was anything but planned. This Twitter video shows water pouring down on the platform at St. Andrew subway station on Saturday afternoon. While above ground, this is how it looked as crews worked to divert traffic and shut down the intersection at King and University following a massive water main break. For my work, normally I have to come down uh, University and make a, a left right here. So now I'm going through. Today, the closure, which extends from York to Simcoe on King and Adelaide to Wellington along University, is impacting both motorists and those who take above-ground routes. The 504A King Street car is out of service between Sumac and the Springhurst Loop, and the 504B King Street car is not operating between Church Street and Dundas West Station. I waited 45 minutes for my streetcar this morning that never came. While crews make repairs, which we are told will continue around the clock for upwards of two weeks, People who live downtown say it was a hard slog getting to work today. I was so upset. I was bawling my eyes out to this dear, sweet streetcar operator that stopped and said, where are you going? And I told him and he said, it's never going to come. This is what's happened. It's the water main. It delayed me by 15 minutes. I'm late to work. The city says upon excavating, a contractor found a broken cast iron water main, which was put into service around 1882. Crews now have to replace 25 meters of pipe, and they also have to fill a void under the TTC tracks, which was created by the break. Shuttle buses are now running between Dundas West Station and King Street at River to supplement 504 streetcar service. And while TTC trains bypass St. Andrew Station on Saturday, the subway is now operating normally. Janice Golding, CTV News. Also tonight, the wreck laws on the road. We catch up with the rural Ontario country music duo, their music and latest journey. Cannabis has been legal in Canada since 2018, but what impact does the drug have on its users? Our health reporter Pauline Chan moderated a panel today looking into who is at greatest risk and what to do about it. 23-year-old Riley Goldsmith is a cannabis user. A connective tissue disorder, um, neurodevelopmental disorders, uh, and mood disorders. But even with a medical prescription, she was reluctant to try cannabis because she felt she knew little about it. It is now helpful for my chronic pain, uh, extremely helpful for my anxiety and my mood disorders. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely changed my daily quality of life.
But for a significant number of people who've begun using cannabis since legalization, it has been accompanied by problems. Around 19% of individuals reported um, being at moderate to high risk of cannabis use problems compared to around 16 percent in 2020. That was in the general population, but among cannabis users, the percentage experiencing problems such as addiction jumped almost 10 percent from 55 to 64 percent, according to the latest Monitor report. The Monitor is Ontario's longest-running survey of adult substance use, and this particular study looked at responses from more than 2,700 people. It's not clear why usage is going up, but the pandemic is likely a factor. Another suggestion? One of the reasons that um, cannabis use in universities is so high is because of the mental health and the poor mental health and stress levels of university students. And she's calling for more access to mental health treatment as well as better education about the effects of cannabis. Mental health is health, I, echoing what CAMH says. Um, if you are struggling, we are reducing stigma so that you can ask for help. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Country music duo The Reclaws kept busy during the pandemic. The result was a new album. They've been unable to take their music on the road until now. CTV's Andrea Cage joins us. And Andrea, that tour will bring them here. Right here to the Big Smoke, Toronto. Yes, Toronto on Friday night. Now, fittingly, this tour is called Winter's a Beach. And this brother and sister duo who have 10 consecutive gold singles have enough energy to melt the snow and warm your heart. Brother and sister duo The Reclaws are stepping out on their first headlining tour. Winter's a Beach Whirlwind Weekend will see them in Montreal, Toronto and a sold-out stop in Kitchener on Thursday, which is close to their birthplace, Humphreys, Ontario. We'll be even more nervous in Kitchener because we'll look out at the audience before and probably know, to know who half the crowd is, yeah. I would guess, like just by faces and stuff. So it's going to be, there's going to be a comfort level, but also a nervous level because yeah. you want to impress everybody. For the past 11 years, they've been impressing country fans and the industry, racking up six Canadian Country Music Awards. The reigning group or duo of the year is known for combining their voices. On their new album, Good Old Days, Something New, each has a solo song. This kind of felt like the first initial time that we kind of take a stand and be like, no, this is my song and this is his song. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make our show so interesting and so fun to watch, I think, because we'll both have a moment. They're sharing their moment with duets with established stars and future ones. When it came to writing their song, What the Truck, they asked for help and TikTok answered. The winner, Sasha. We put it on TikTok, mm -hmm. it blew up, we had yeah. not finished the song. So then we were like, let's use TikTok as a platform and see if people will duet it and write a verse. And whoever's verse kind of fits and yeah. works well, it's we'll choose. And Sasha posted and we were like, Perfect. She's perfect. Splitting their time between Toronto and Nashville, they're spreading their wings personally and professionally. Jenna got married last year, Stuart this year, moving on while staying together. The Reclaws will perform at History on Queen Street East on Friday night. Some tickets are still available. Reporting for CTV News, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Andrea. In Washington, the head of Live Nation will testify tomorrow following the recent Taylor Swift ticketing debacle. In November, Ticketmaster canceled a sale to the general public for Swift's first tour in five years. Three and a half billion requests had overwhelmed its website. The president and CEO of Ticketmaster's parent company says in hindsight, there were several things that could have been done better.
Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Kids everywhere will like the sounds of this story. The president of Ireland is taking aim at homework, calling for it to be banned. A pipe dream or a possibility? Oscar picks revealed tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. Your first look at the star-studded contenders for Hollywood's biggest prize. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Updating our top story, CTV News Toronto's obtained video showing the moment surrounding an assault which left an 89-year-old woman dead on Friday. We're also learning more about the man accused in the incident. He previously faced an assault charge in 2020. These are very unfortunate circumstances that I don't believe uh, the pedestrians could have necessarily done anything to avoid this happening. It's very scary. A woman and a child are in hospital with serious injuries after being struck by a vehicle following a crash in Brampton. The pair were on the sidewalk when two vehicles collided. The cause of the crash remains under investigation. Do anything in your right power to put something, even if it's not an air tag, in your luggage. A Cambridge woman is warning travelers after she says Air Canada tried to donate her lost luggage without permission. Nikita Rees got her bags back this afternoon four months after a trip to Greece and after obtaining a police warrant to search a storage facility in Etobicoke. On the markets, the loonie was essentially flat at 74.76 U.S. Oil was also basically unchanged to close at 81.62 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX gained 128 points to end the day at 20,631. Another tech company is announcing job cuts. Spotify is letting go 6% of its global workforce, or about 600 positions. The Swedish company says it has made considerable effort over the last few months to rein in costs, but it hasn't been enough. There have been massive layoffs in the tech sector in preparation for a possible recession. Construction is underway to dig a massive tunnel under Toronto's core. The Celtic Tiger boring was lowered underground at the Esplanade Transmission Centre. Over the next year, this machine will excavate rock, sand and concrete along a 2.5-kilometre stretch. The tunnel will run below Lower Sherbourne to Dundas, then west to Bay. It will house new transmission cables, which haven't been replaced since the 1950s, providing power for major downtown infrastructure. The existing infrastructure has served us well, but it's 70 years old and it's time to renew and invest. It's serving some of the critical loads in Ontario. So as the tunnel boring machine is going through the tunnel, it's turning and chewing up everything in front of it. At the same time, it's extracting that material to the back end where it's extracted out to the surface and safely trucked away for reuse at a nearby facility. Hydro One is investing $120 million for this project, which is expected to be complete by the year 2026. Above ground, the Leafs hope to dig out from Saturday's loss to Montreal with a strong start to a five-game homestand. Up tonight, the New York Islanders. The Leafs have won 17 of 24 home games this season. Puck drop is at 7. After the break, taking the home out of homework. The quirky new idea with a bit of world appeal.
We leave you tonight with a story that will perk the ears of more than a few children. Ireland's president says he thinks homework should be banned. The idea drawing instant global attention, including from our Mike Walker. Ask these high school students about their homework and they'll tell you. Since like the semester's ending, it's like it's pretty packed. Like there's three hours a day. With ex extracurriculars, like it can be a lot. How much homework is too much is something that has been debated for years. The president of Ireland recently weighing in, suggesting it should be banned. Time in the school is an, is an educational experience and it should get finished in the school and people should be able to use their time for, for other creative things. Michael D. Higgins made the comments on a kids' news program, a response to a question that has garnered public opinion on both sides of the pond. I don't think it should be like mandatory. If it causes extra stress for you, it can really pile up. So maybe there should be a limit. But other students and parents disagree. But it's very little that we get. I think I see some of the benefit of homework. It's just in terms of it helps everybody figure out uh, how much they're progressing and if we need help. I believe that homework is necessary, especially in certain subjects like math. I don't think abolishing homework is the right idea. A conversation this tutor often has with parents and says the benefits are critical. I think homework gives students a chance to practice and that gives me as a tutor uh, the chance to see what needs to be worked on even further. The Toronto District School Board says the matter is not on the table and points to its current homework policy that states none for kindergarten students. Grades 1 to 6 should reflect the unique needs of the child and include things like reading and activities. For grades 7 to 8, homework should be completed in an hour or less. And for high school students, it should be done in two hours or less really important to make sure that if we're giving kids homework that it's productive. Jose Tapia, a father of two, remembers why he hated homework but... Not able to, to play as much but you know, Adena has a good result. Ireland's president is a largely ceremonial role so for now homework will continue for students in Ireland just as it is on this side of the Atlantic. Mike Walker, CTV News. Well, it was a good idea in theory, but it's not going to happen. I could see parents loving that, though. With elementary kids, you end up getting roped in. You have to do the homework, For too. For sure, you get more time. Mm -hmm. Okay, how much time do we get this big snowstorm that you've been talking about? Well, we have a full day to prepare tomorrow, but by Wednesday, we got to be prepared for uh, some falling snow, rapid accumulations, maybe a couple of centimeters in one hour at a time at the peak of the storm. Here's the special weather statement that's in place and a reminder that it's a winter weather travel advisory for Barrie, and that's ahead of snow overnight tonight and into tomorrow. Here's our evening forecast in Toronto. All is calm, all is quiet tonight too. Tomorrow's high about two degrees here in the GTA. And then here's one more look at that seven day forecast. You might want to consider postponing non-essential travel, especially for the Wednesday afternoon and evening commute. Nathan and Michelle. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, that's it for us, but be sure to join Omar Sachadina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Ullman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.